Boaz responded to her, Everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband's death has been reported fully to me, how you left behind your father, your mother, and the land of your birth, and came to a people you hadn't known beforehand. Ruth 2.11 Hey everybody, I'm Reagan Gilliland. And I'm Stephanie Reed Meyer. And this is the podcast Off Script, where every week we dive deep into the week's prior sermon. We talk about um, things that maybe didn't end up in the sermon on the cutting room floor, maybe talk a little bit more, make jokes, all kinds of things. But we're glad that we are in week two of Ruth and we have Stephanie today. So I'm very excited to interview Stephanie from her sermon. Woohoo! We love Ruth. We do love Ruth. It's such an easy book, I feel like, to preach from. Yeah, it's like very um, idyllic. Like everyone's so happy. I made that joke in my sermon. I was like, he says, good morning to the people harvesting his field. And then they're like, good morning. May the Lord bless you. It's like a fairy tale. <laughs> I know. Everyone's so chipper. It's, it's like Disney nice. World. It's a nice change from our unsettling passages. <laughs> true. I think about that. Oh, man. Um, okay. So uh, those that didn't listen last week, can you just do a brief recap of what happened prior to what we are going to talk about today for Ruth 2. So what happens in Ruth 1? Yeah, yeah. So Ruth begins actually not even about Ruth, like any good story. It's about Naomi. So Naomi and her husband and her two sons leave Bethlehem. So they're Jewish. They leave their Jewish uh, home community, all of that, because there is a famine and they go to Moab. Uh, When they are in Moab, unfortunately, Naomi's husband dies. Um, And then her two sons take Moabite women as their wives, which was like a huge no-no in the Bible, but it doesn't seem like a big deal here, which is kind of refreshing. Um, And then after her two sons take wives, they end up dying. And so Naomi is in Moab, which is not her homeland all by herself. Um, She has these two daughter-in-laws, but she really wants to go back to Bethlehem. She's heard the famine is over uh, and she just wants to be with her people after Mm -hmm. these big, big losses in her life. So she goes back and Orpah and Ruth are her two daughter-in-laws that married her sons and they go with her. And then along the way, Naomi is like, no, no, go back, which a lot of people are like, oh, that's so rude. She sends them away. But like, really, she's trying to help them. She wants them to thrive in their hometown. Um, And so Orpah eventually does turn back and go back to Moab. But Ruth stays by Naomi's side. And so then they enter Bethlehem uh, instead of Naomi being a foreigner in Moab. Now Ruth is a foreigner in Bethlehem. And the first chapter ends with saying, like, now the harvest begins. Mm-hmm. And that's how we get this introduction to the second chapter, which is fun. Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, the scripture you read off the top was a new character that enters chapter two, yep. which is Boaz. Boaz. And, um, okay, so Ruth, you know, Ruth follows Naomi, which was not expected, is nope. not the norm was actually pretty uh, foolish. Like most people would be like, why, like, why would you go to a place where you know no one and set yourself up for poverty and suffering? Because as a widow and a foreigner, like, 
You're yeah. poor. You're poor. Like, Automatically. You don't have you don't have ways. Ruth followed Naomi, not knowing that there was a Boaz waiting. Not to like spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. I know. <laughs> so what was Ruth really signing up for when she chose to stay with Naomi? Yeah, yeah. So I think you kind of hit on it. When Ruth stayed with Naomi, she was not choosing good times and better future things Uh for her. Um, She was becoming a foreigner, becoming poor, becoming an outsider of a local religion, which was a really big deal at that time. Um, These people were not of her faith. So she was not only isolated by proximity, but also by the local culture and religion. So when she chooses to stay by Naomi's side, she's signing up for hardships. Uh She's signing up to be loyal and faithful in her understanding of what she's doing for Naomi. Uh, but it's still really difficult too. And she still did it. She was kind of led by this compassion that I don't think many of us could comprehend. Yeah. It sounds foolish and silly. Um, and just not practical. Yeah. Don't follow the mother-in-law. <laughs> just kidding. I love you, Cindy Gilliland. <laughs> yeah. not, so Regina, don't read into that. <laughs> yeah. We love you. Okay. I didn't put this in the question, but, I feel like uh, I heard you and Chris talking about, so the Moabites were eventually talked about very negatively. So what did you find out? Like, when was there a shift? Even before this. So in Deuteronomy, there's this whole passage. I don't have it marked. Um, I actually put it in my sermon and I cut it because I felt like I was doing too much history and story, which is like something I love. Like, that's so much fun. Um, But in Deuteronomy, it says like, don't even talk to the Moabs. Don't even look at them. Like, Mm. it's like very stark and um, definitive that they are the enemy. They are bad. They are not followers of God. They do not have a place in our community. And so that is history. Like even for these people, they know those rules. That's why I say this is like idyllic because we don't really see a lot of that here. No. You hear that she's a foreigner and they mention it over and over and And over over over. again. Yeah. Uh, But it's not like, so we threw stones at her or we shunned her. Like, Mm -hmm. She still gets to function, which is something I don't know that should have been expected when she signed up for this. Yeah. So it is interesting that uh, Naomi's sons marry Moabite because that was probably, yeah. again, that was frowned upon. Yeah. It was literally said not to do. Do you know the time period of Deuteronomy versus Ruth? Yeah. No. I mean. Uh, do you think I'm Chris here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Deuteronomy <laughs> time period. Look, this is what Google is for, friends. It is for So that. it is believed that Deuteronomy was composed in Jerusalem in 7th century BCE. Okay. Um, Ruth. Time period. This is all from Google, so don't yep. really <laughs> take us. So this says 6th to 4th century BC. Okay. Um, so there is a difference in those time periods. Yeah, but I just think it is fascinating because the Bible really loves to share about who not to marry, who not to encounter, you know, there's a lot of no, that. No, no, no. Um, and yeah. And that there's no like, Oh, a, a Moabite. Right. And yeah. it doesn't even really pass judgment on like Naomi and Elimelech for like going to yeah. Moab. It doesn't say like they fled their homeland. Like uh-huh. they were starving. Yeah. And so they went to make their chances better. So I do appreciate that in Ruth. And I don't know if some of this is like um, kind of rose-colored lenses, like mm-hmm. written after the fact, right. where it's made to sound a lot lovelier than perhaps it, it was, uh-huh. which I think is something we should critically consider, too. Yeah. 
um, is that we don't really know that this is the exact setting. It is like Chris said a few weeks ago, like short story. Um, and so maybe they've taken some uh, liberties yeah. in the descriptions here. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know that. That's we just speculation. <laughs> um, okay. So the kindness that Ruth showed Naomi was, you know, she really wasn't seeking a reward because again, she was not promised anything. Literally anything. Like there's no like law or thing like, well, if you do this and you're going to be rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. And so I started thinking like, is there any correlation between this and like the good Samaritan or anything? Hmm. I love that you chose the good Samaritan. <laughs> is that just something you were like, Oh, the good yeah. Samaritan. <laughs> I don't know. Cause like the guy doesn't, he does good out of the goodness of his heart. Right? Yeah. Or so it seems. And yeah. he like drops off like, okay, he pays for, okay. Okay. For this person. And we don't know anything. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good correlation to make, Regan. Um, I think that both of them help people outside of their normal groups of people mm -hmm. that they are supposed to be with. Um, and especially both of them are kind of reaching out to what we would consider the enemy, like mm -hmm. the opposite of who they are. Um, and so it's funny because a few weeks ago, Chris and I preached on the unsettling words of Jesus. Uh, no, unsettling passages of yeah. Bible, but we looked at Jesus. And in there, Jesus is refused entry into a Samaritan village. Mm -hmm. And the disciples are like, why don't you burn the place to the ground? <laughs> and Jesus rebukes them. Uh, and then in the very next chapter, we get the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. So like it kind of contrasts that the disciples were ready to burn this village down full yeah. of people that were different from them. And then Jesus kind of redeems them through this parable. And so I think we see that same redemption here. I do think the biggest difference in that comparison would be that Ruth, when she makes this decision, it has long lasting impacts on her. Mm -hmm. Whereas a Samaritan like cares for them and then goes about his Honestly, day. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe he lost some money or, you know, it doesn't seem to really change. It's a parable. Yeah. We don't see all those implications, <laughs> but for Ruth, it's like deep. It's deep. like very radical. Yeah. It's a very big commitment. Yeah. It's compassion. That's like I said, it's really hard to understand. Um, we may be very good at giving money to someone in need, but to actually abandon everything we mm -hmm. know to go into the unknown. Yeah. As some who are into frozen may say, uh, <laughs> is a complicated thing. Yeah. Um, okay, you bring up a John Wesley commentary on this passage. Okay, you have to tell us what the quote is and then explain what he means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you really even attend a United Methodist Church if you don't quote John Wesley like think so. every other week? <laughs> I feel like that's the uh, kind of rhythm I'm in. So John Wesley, first off, just some background. He wrote a ton. So he has a lot of sermons. I know you and Chris talked about that last week. You were like, I don't know. Maybe it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. You're like, I don't know if you've read all his sermons. And Chris was like, of course I've read <laughs> his I was sermons. like, oh, okay. <laughs> Flex. Uh, I read a few, not that many. Uh, but... John Wesley also wrote this entire commentary on the Bible, which is really impressive. Yeah. The Bible is very long. Uh, he wrote pretty much like line by line commentary in it. That's super impressive in and of itself. So in Ruth chapter two, verse two, uh, I have my John Wesley study Bible right here. <laughs> so that verse in scripture is in Ruth, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I might find, might find favor. And Naomi said to her, go, my daughter. So John Wesley 
writes this right next to that scripture. Many a great affair is brought about by a little turn, fortuitous as to men, but designed by God. So he is attempting to answer that question of whether or not this is a coincidence that Ruth finds herself cleaning this land, Mm -hmm. or if instead it is divine providence. Hmm. Um, And this is a concept, I don't know about you, Reagan, but I really struggled with, especially as I was like coming of age in college um, and probably into seminary too, is do we attribute every little thing to God or like, Mm. is there space where there really are coincidences? Um, And so I like that John Wesley doesn't really seek to answer that question here. Instead, he notes that God shows up in little moments that humans often overlook yeah, and that God is still present there. And that goes back to kind of Esther and Ruth, how we don't see God saying, do this, do that. Um, But instead you catch these glimpses of God Mm -hmm. throughout. Yeah. And I think, um, what I, you know, Ruth didn't have a message from God no, to say like, yeah, you need to go with Naomi. Right. Not that we see. Not that we see at no. least. We don't even know if Ruth knew God. Right. Knows God. And so I think there's a lot of us that probably sit around waiting for this like bright blinking like sign that says, all right, this is what you need to do next. That'd and, be so convenient. Uh, be very convenient. Sign me up. <laughs> but Ruth is... A trailblazer in the way of she like she has no direction, no anything, and she takes that chance. And I think a lot of us probably miss a lot of opportunities. Yeah, because we're like everything has to all all the ducks in the row, all the things have to work out before I make this huge leap. Yeah, I think that's real scary mm-hmm. because I'm a cautious person. I like to like make list and outweigh things like <laughs> oh is this a smart decision is it not where's my pros where's my cons uh-huh. so the idea that she could make such a huge thing um but it is reassuring to know that perhaps god was in mm-hmm. that god is in that decision god is in this moment where she finds herself in boaz's land mm-hmm. okay so um so talk about this uh what she does she gleans in fields and talk about was that common? How was that set up for people? You know, talk about gleaning, I guess. <laughs> it seems like such a boring topic. I know. We're going to talk about but it's gleaning also, today. This is NPR. <laughs> uh, so I feel like gleaning is an interesting thing because it's not something we're super familiar with. Like when was the last time you gleaned? I gleaned <laughs> this summer. This is a true story. Oh summer of 2012. Tell me more. Uh, we did a Dallas mission trip, and uh, we took our youth kids to uh, is it Paul Quinn College that's mm-hmm. in like South Dallas, yeah, yeah. and they have like this huge community garden sort of thing. And that was like our job. We went through like all their beds and like gleaned and got other stuff to for produce for the community. That's what I was going to ask. What did you do with it? Yeah, yeah, it was for the community and like students and anyone. So yeah, that's I, so cool. Reagan is a gleaner. So I gleaned. Sorry. I probably should have started with explaining what that was. And then that would make more (laughs) sense for Reagan. So gleaning in scripture is coming along behind the harvesters and picking up the leftovers, whatever hasn't made um, the harvest. And sometimes it is in, often it's intentional that you don't get every single thing. It's an act of charity Mm -hmm. by the landowner because they are providing for the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, the poor. Um, as scripture 
teaches. It's part of the Deuteronomic Deuteronomic law. Don't ask me how to pronounce words. You know. Um, (laughs) So that is like very typical of this culture to leave that behind. Uh, And I find it kind of um, challenging because like it's this act of charity. They're doing something to help the community, these landowners, by Mm -hmm. leaving these extras behind. But also, like, it's not like they prepare them in a way that can be consumed. Like, Mm -hmm. when Ruth is going behind and gleaning grain, she is left with this full grain that came out of the ground. Like, you have to take the husks off. You have Uh to do all this stuff to it before you can even eat it. So, like... Yeah, it's generous, but like it's not. That's part step one. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> There's a whole lot more involved there. Uh, it's not like you're picking out an apple from a tree and dropping it and you can eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is really difficult. And so the work Ruth is doing isn't like, oh, here's a hamburger from the ground that I can eat <laughs> and it'll provide us for a week. Uh, it's really hard, hard work. Um, it is something Naomi, I assume, could not do. That's why she's not here doing it. She yeah. is older. Um, so Ruth has youth in her favor to be able to go out and do this. But also it's super dangerous. Um, I talked in my sermon about this kind of mob mentality that the harvesters had. And that's um, something I assumed. I don't think you can find that in scripture, except that Boaz does say Ruth needs protection out there. Yeah. Um, Because I just think when you get groups of people together and they're living kind of outside their norms and doing this act together, mob mentality can take off, um, not always for the best. Uh, so she is doing really dangerous work, especially as a female, she can be taken advantage of in a lot of different ways here. Yeah. And probably, unfortunately, like whatever she would glean, I'm sure some of the workers would be like, actually, no, give us half of that. You know, like it was just, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I realized that there was like law about make sure you don't, you don't pick it completely dry, like leave yeah. some, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting about making, not being so, um, what's the word? I don't know. I mean, taking it all for yourself, like leaving room for generosity or charity as they, you yeah. know, talked about, um, because our mindset is like, I want to keep everything for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a good reminder of like, We don't need to take more than we actually need Correct. (laughs) that we can share and be generous. Yeah. And I think I make that, um, comparison and I didn't know it until you started talking about this, Reagan, but the fact that, uh, gleaning is really hard. It's still an act of charity, but they're still working it. Mm -hmm. I feel like when, uh, a few weeks ago, the boy scouts left the scouts left a sign on our door to donate, um, canned food and they would come pick it up. Yeah. And I feel like the instinct is, okay, what canned food do we have that's like close to expired or that we're not using? Um, and that type of thinking is not helpful in that moment. Like, no, we should be giving our best to someone who needs mm-hmm. it. Um, and so it's just kind of reframing how we understand charity too. Yeah. And what that looks like. And so Boaz goes above and beyond what mm-hmm. he has to do. Yeah. He ends up, um, asking the harvesters to leave even more behind for Ruth. So Mm -hmm. she doesn't have to do as much hard work. Yeah. I do think it's a, it can be interesting scripture because you know, this combats against like, um, when we talk about generosity or giving, like we don't give what's left over to God, like giving our first. (laughs) So I'm like, Oh, this is like, can get a little tricky. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what we do with that, but it, I think 
Boaz at least shows like the fact that he wants, he says, no, give more. Don't just give her the, the scraps, the scraps. Like, mm-hmm. no, we, we can, we can afford more. to give more. And isn't that true? Yes. Of all of us. Yeah. In our own ways. Okay. Do you see any modern examples of us like forgetting to remember the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner? Absolutely. All of the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> we can always do more to help those around us. That's kind of what we just talked about. So there's suffering in the world, period. But there's also suffering in the world that can be relieved. Mm-hmm. So our work isn't done. Um, I don't know if you heard the news this morning, but um, Myanmar is seeking to have their case that's in the United Nations right now thrown out. Um, and it's a case that they've committed genocide against the Rohingyans. Okay. Um, so this gen- this huge genocide um, and all the details about jurisdiction and stuff are not important here. My main point is that like there is modern day genocide mm-hmm. today that happens. Um, and so when those acts happen, often they create things, uh, people, and they give them identities uh, like widow or orphan uh, because these huge acts of um, murder are committed against them. Um, it also creates people seeking refuge from other countries. Like that is a real reality here, mm-hmm. um, today. And so, uh, while I would argue we don't have mass genocide here in the United States, we also haven't been the best at loving those in need. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are really great at it, yeah. but how can we as a whole, as a community be better at welcoming in those who are in need? Yeah. Yeah, I think and the whole idea, uh, especially with widows, you know, like people knew like, okay, if there's a widow, like it's our responsibility to take mm-hmm. care of yeah. her. And um, somehow I feel like we've just lost that mindset of like, we have a responsibility that we are connected to one another and we should care for one another. Cause like that could be you someday. I don't know. I just love the, how they kind of have this expectation, this law, like, no, you need to take care of of these people where you don't turn a blind eye, which right. you see Jesus, why he was so frustrated when he comes in and it's like, you don't, you're so disconnected from everyone. You don't care for anyone. Like I'm mad about this. <laughs> right. And, and this goes back to Chris preached specifically on relationships last week and just how important it is to care for others mm-hmm. and not to just assume someone else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's often the assumption. Like, oh, I'm sure someone's checked in on them. Yeah. Or I'm sure they know that they're not alone yeah. in this situation. And so did Boaz, because he went up and like up and beyond like what he was supposed to. Yeah. Was there any sort of risk in that? Yeah. I think that's a good question for us to consider, Reagan. Um, I think there's a risk of people being like, okay, what is he really after? You mm-hmm. know, like kind of questioning his motives. Yeah. I could see that kind of risk. But someone already called dibs on him, right? <laughs> As you said in your sermon. What'd you say? I did say that. I was off the rails <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. So Boaz isn't necessarily next in line as relative to Naomi. There's this unnamed person okay. who's also in line. Um, and so, yeah, people could question his motives. Like, oh, is he trying to one up this guy and get with Ruth? Yeah. Like, even though he's not next of kin. Yeah. That could be a question. I think you could also question like, oh, is that going to hurt his return on his harvest? Yeah. If he's leading, leaving all this extra. Correct. However, I don't think his risk is super huge. Super huge. Personally. <laughs> okay. But he does go above what's expected to him. Yeah. It's not nothing. 
-hmm. Because I think of times in my life where people do more than they had to do. And it made a huge impact on me. It may not have taken a lot out of them to do that. But the impact for me was really large. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if it isn't a huge risk for Boaz, that doesn't necessarily negate the impact it has on Ruth and Naomi. Yeah, because I don't think he probably sat down and went through, okay, if I, let me do some math and figure (laughs) out, okay, if I give away this much, how much am I losing? You know, he saw a need. And I think that's a great lesson for our generosity. You know, not that I want to make this podcast about generosity. (laughs) Give us your money. But there's something about Boaz seeing something and like, I'm going to work out the details later. All I know is I see a need. And I'm going to meet it right now. I'm going to meet it right now. Yeah. And that's, it's something for us to look to as an example. And Ruth does that too with Naomi. She's like, she she doesn't think through, she's like, well, this is a need. I need to care for her. I'm going to show her compassion. So I'm going to do it. And I'll think about everything else later. Right. And I, (laughs) Ruth probably wonders if I was in Naomi's situation, what would I want someone to do Mm -hmm. for me? If I had lost my husband, my sons, and potentially now the only close family I have these two daughter-in-laws yeah I would hope someone stays by my side and maybe Boaz has that same consideration if I was a widow and I had to glean fields wouldn't I want someone to help me Mm -hmm. so it's part of taking ourselves out of our shoes and understanding or trying to understand what someone else is going through yeah I don't want to jump ahead too much but is Boaz the hero of this of the book of Ruth it's a great question, Reagan. <laughs> I think some people would certainly say he is. Uh-huh. I would argue, no. Okay. Let the women have their day. Yeah. Let Ruth and Naomi be the heroes here. Yeah. So you talk about how Ruth, her identity is more of more than just a widow and foreigner, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's what, so for me in my sermon, one of my main kind of crux was that Boaz names Ruth for who she truly is. He says, that's what we read at the beginning of the podcast. He says, you took care of these people. You were loyal. You cared. You offered compassion. He's, he doesn't say like, oh, Ruth, I know that you're a foreigner. Or I, <laughs> I know you're a widow. Uh, instead, he says, you've done all these really great things. Yeah. Um, so for the first time we see someone else speaks to Ruth, I notice you, I see you. You've done incredible things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's worthy. I don't think seeing that makes Boaz a hero or just because Boaz is a male in the story and able to take them out of their destitute um, that he all of a sudden is a hero. Instead, I think he speaks right there to the truth that Ruth is the one doing these great things. Yeah. I bring that up because, as you know, <laughs> being a female and all the fairy tales and and movies and things where they're like people like um, – like hidden figures. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. So apparently, like Kevin Costner's character, like actually didn't exist, but they wrote him in. <laughs> and so, there's all these stories of like having to write in a male to come save the day. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm like I don't read fairy tales to my daughter and everything. I mean, she's not really into that kind of stuff. Anyway, right. like don't call her princess. Apparently, she does not like that. <laughs> I also do not like when people call me princess. So. <laughs> But I think it's interesting how there are so many stories that require a man to come save the day. But I love that Ruth and Naomi are so bold. And you talk about that. So yeah, talk they, about... Take, they take agency here. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
<laughs> this is one of those times where Chris and I kind of differ on our scripture. So I go into second and third chapter yeah. of Ruth and he stops at the second. And I think he is hopping ahead to four, which I respect. Uh, I am talking about chapter three. And in that um, Ruth has to do something kind of racy. Uh, she has to go to Boaz in the night and say, hey, here I am. I need you to save us. Mm-hmm. I need you to take on that responsibility of being a redeemer for me and Naomi, um, which was super unheard of. Right. Um, it's, I just can't help make the parallels between Esther and maybe it's because they are the two books in the old Testament about women. Uh, but Esther too has to speak up to the King and say, I need you to save these people because they are my people. I am, I am an Israelite. Um, and so in the same way, Ruth has to be vocal and ask for help. Uh, and she has to do so in a timely fashion. She mm-hmm. has to wait until the harvest is ended, till he's had this great night, <laughs> yeah. and then say, I need this. Um, and it's bold. And it's not something Ruth does by herself. Naomi actually hatches this plan up. Mm-hmm. She comes up with a plan. So that's why I say Naomi is an active role here, too. Yeah, uh, She finds hope for the first time in a long time because Ruth has found this favor in Boaz. Um, and so Naomi thinks, huh our tables can turn. We can have better than we currently have. Uh, and so they, they're radical. They do things that, um, are unexpected. Ruth did not have to go out and glean the fields. Um, Mm -hmm. they could have begged for food or money or whatever they needed. Um, so they often throughout Ruth take this agency to make a better place for themselves. And it could have failed for a lot of people. It probably did fail for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, And so we have to take that into account too. But I think they are heroes and they are bold in um, how they live their lives. Yeah. I mean, because it's not so much of like, please help us. I mean, she's pretty like, more like, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. They're (laughs) slaying their own dragon here. Right. Um, They're not waiting for Boaz to come. Although they do need Boaz, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, because of the culture at that time. Yes. But they're still just this this power that they have that is unlike because as you know in a lot of scripture like a lot of women are not named they don't ever speak like there's just so much they're only seen if they're taken advantage of or um, put in a compromising situation yeah and then you've got this very strong female that's that shouldn't even fit in here she's an outsider right Um, and she doesn't know these customs or anything. And she just puts her whole self out there and takes this huge risk Mm -hmm. because for her, I mean, Boaz could have said, absolutely not. This is inappropriate. I need you to leave and never glean these fields again. I mean, Mm -hmm. he could burn her, um, and shut down those doors that have been open. Yeah. Yeah. But she's still, Boaz is not the hero. Ruth is. So, um, heard it here first, (laughs) probably not first. So how do you... So Jesus comes from Ruth's line. Yeah, so yeah. how do you see Jesus carrying on Ruth's legacy or how she kind of lived? I love the idea that Jesus is looking to Ruth for how to live. Hey, life. Yeah. Hey, fully human. Yeah. Ruth is part of that. Uh, I think Jesus, this was his whole ministry, this radical love, this way of reaching those on the margins, those on the outsides, pushing back on what society said is the norm or this is what should be accepted. And Jesus said, nah, we can um, heal people on the Sabbath. We can love those who others say are our enemy. I mean, what Ruth did, Jesus took it to the nth degree here. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that's why for me I find Jesus to be such a compelling character a uh, person um, to play such a compelling role in each of our lives yeah um, because we see that radical ministry throughout yeah and I think Ruth abandoning an easy life um, abandoning like in different things like I mean you see Jesus give up things um yeah no place to rest his head yeah I and mean, there's a ran lot. out of his hometown crucified i mean right <laughs> just keep going on and on right jesus didn't take an easy route Mm-mm. so yeah i love it makes it makes sense that ruth would be in his lineage i think and so. how cool a mm-hmm. moabite mm-hmm. to be connected yep to jesus christ yeah it's all, cool. All these people that shouldn't have a place in this royal line, if you will, this pure line is actually full of misfits and people that, I don't know. It's, I don't know. That society would not have included. Uh-huh. That all those Jewish leaders of the time would never have guessed. Yeah. Because it is so counter to what they expected. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Is there anything else that you discovered in your, all your research I I mean, I cut so much. I just, when we read like a story like this, I just want to retell the whole story mm because I feel like people may not know it. And so I can sit there every Sunday and say, I want you to read this, like (laughs) go home and read this, but it's different to do that during the week. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are just so many times where I want to share like, Oh, but this happened and this happened. So like Naomi actually blesses Boaz. So Naomi is kind of a downer a lot. Um, she's like, God caused all this. I'm bitter. Yeah. (laughs) But then when she hears that Ruth meets Boaz, she like blesses Boaz. She's like, God bless this person. You've proven that you're still with us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we see all these moments where God is brought into the picture. Um, even with Naomi having these ups and downs with God, because don't we all, don't we push back? Why did this happen? So she's human. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get Naomi. Ruth is like too radical too kind of not perfect, not princessy, but like she does bold things that make me uncomfortable. Whereas Naomi is more like, Oh, I get that. Uh I get that anger. I get that (laughs) doubt. I get that wanting to run away, but still wanting the best for those around you. Um, and so I love Naomi. I'm going to talk more about her next week, uh, because I love her full circle. Oh, good. Good. So that's a teaser for week three yeah. of Ruth is talking about Naomi. What does Boaz, does Boaz get to call dibs on Ruth or yeah. is it this unknown? We relative? don't know. Guess we'll have to come back. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all I have for you. That's Unless great. you have anything else. No, I no. feel like I didn't let you talk enough, Reagan. No, that's fine. <laughs> Great. Great. As we've said, make sure you come back so you can listen to week three of Ruth, which will be in both the sanctuary and modern. And it'll be interesting to see how you all take it different ways because you all were different this past week, um, you and Chris. And so uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us and we look forward to having you back with us next week as we continue in our series, Ruth. Don't forget that Ash Wednesday is next Wednesday. Lent kicks off. You can go to cumc.com slash Lent to find out service times and studies and all that good stuff. But you all have a good week and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. 
Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.